Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Driscoll's. Only the finest berries. Hello, young chefs, and welcome back to Mystery Recipe. I'm Molly Birnbaum, Editor-in-Chief of America's Test Kitchen Kids. And I'm, let's see, I'm a bit Molly's right-hand gal and sleepy co-host on the show. Every week on Mystery Recipe, we'll be talking about the fun, fantastical, and fascinating sides of a different kitchen ingredient. Plus, at the end of the season, we'll use all the ingredients to cook a mystery recipe together. Can you guess what it is yet? So far, we know it will contain water, brown sugar, and walnuts. Sounds yummy so far. Today is day two of Walnut Week. That's right. And we're going to crack open a case of tricky trivia, followed by a naturally gathered interview in Ask a Grown-Up. And to round off today's episode, our friend Andrea is back with some toasty tips in how-to time. Plus, I might finally be able to take a nap. (sighs) Yeah? Hopefully. To the theme song! Looks good. I bet it tastes good. Ooh. I can't stop smiling. Mystery recipe. And And we're back. back. And, oh my goodness. Sorry. You scared me. I've been sitting here the whole time. I know, I just looked away, and when I looked back, you surprised me. What's the matter, Mitzi? Ugh, Molly. Last night, Oliver and I stayed up way past our bedtimes to watch this movie, The Sour Gummy Worm's Revenge. Ever heard of it? I haven't. Sounds a little spooky, though. Uh, Yeah, you could say that again. Sounds a little spooky, though. Ha! Good one, Molly. What is it? Is something the matter? Oh my goodness, Maggie, I am so sorry. You just, you scared me. I didn't hear you come in. Oh, that's all? That's all. Phew. Mitzi, I know everybody gets startled sometimes, but I'm sure you can imagine how scary that was for me. Uh, what do you mean, Maggie? Well, as I've said on the show before, I'm visually impaired. Legally, I'm blind, though I can see some shapes and shadows. But when someone is startled or yells like that, I get very worried. I can't look around and see that there's nothing wrong. I have to wait for someone to communicate the issue to me, and that makes for a very stressful few moments until they do. When things around me are chaotic or confusing, I get more nervous than most people would. Golly, Becky, I didn't even think of that. I'm so sorry. That's fine, Mitzi. You weren't doing it on purpose or anything. I just wanted to explain in case it ever happens again. Which, based on how jumpy you are today, I get the feeling that it might. Yeah, you can say that again. Based on how jumpy you are today, I get the feeling that it might. <laughs> har, har, har. Maggie, can I help you find your seat? Nope, I've got it. But gracias, Molly. Here we go. Testing, testing. One, two, three. Excelente! Maggie Eggie is in the building! Hooray! So, Mitzi, why so jumpy today? I was just telling Polly. I watched the Sour Gummy Worms Revenge last night. Oh, the one with Winona Ryder? 
Yep, that's the one. And it really got me feeling freaked out. Well, whenever I'm feeling scared because of a ghost story or a spooky podcast or something, I like to go watch or listen to something happy and cute. Like a fairy tale podcast or a comedy show. That's not a bad idea, Maggie. Let me go do that before I get scared of my own shadow again. Ugh. I'll be back. And while Mitzi does that, Meg, are you ready for some tricky trivia? You can count on me. Love your catchphrase, Meg. It's turning into one, isn't it? I don't hate it. <laughs> Here's how it's going to work. I will give you a fact all about our ingredient theme for the week, and you get to help our listeners decide if it's true or false. Let's crack these facts wide open, listeners. Here's your first one. True or false? The best place to store walnuts is in the refrigerator or freezer. So, Meg, is this true or false? Is it best to store walnuts in your fridge or freezer? Hmm, tough start, Molly, tough start. Personally, I've never kept walnuts in the fridge or the freezer. They seem like they do fine on the counter. And they are kind of like a pantry food to me. Something you keep in a cabinet that'll last as long as you need it to. What do you think, listeners? I don't know for sure. So I'm just going to have to go with my gut on this one. And my gut says that this one is false. Actually, this is true, Meg. Really? Really, really. Technically, it's best to store walnuts in a cool, dark place. So it's not bad to keep them in a pantry or cupboard. But according to the University of Michigan, walnuts can last up to three months in a fridge or one year in a freezer. One year? Wow. I didn't even realize walnuts can go bad. They certainly can. Exposure to warm temperatures can speed up the process, too. But walnuts have a lot of oil in them, which is a type of fat, and that fat can go bad or turn rancid. If walnuts are rubbery or shriveled up, or if they have an off smell, it's time to get rid of them. Wow, good to know. I'll clear some room for them in my fridge next time. All right, Meg, here's your next question. True or false? Black walnuts are more popular in the U.S. than English or Persian walnuts. So, Meg, listeners, is this true or false? Are black walnuts more popular in the U.S. than English or Persian walnuts? Hmm. Well, I don't know the answer to this one either. I remember in episode one of Walnut Week, you said that the two most common types are black walnuts and English or Persian walnuts. But you didn't say which is the most popular. When I picture a walnut in my head, the walnut I see is brown and not black. I'm going to assume that a black walnut is black. And so for that reason, my answer is false. Black walnuts are not more popular than English or Persian walnuts in the U.S. You are correct, Meg. But your reasoning is incorrect. Oh? Lucky guess then, I suppose. What was I wrong about, Molly? Well, black walnuts aren't really black. Funny that they call them that then. They are darker than English or Persian walnuts, though, and they have a much tougher and thicker shell. Plus, black walnuts are native to the United States and grow here in the wild, as opposed to English or Persian walnuts, which most often come from orchards or farms. But the English or Persian walnuts have a milder taste and are definitely more popular in grocery stores around the world. Ha! Huh, the more you know. All right, last one, Meg. True or false? 
The tallest black walnut tree in the United States is over 100 feet tall. So, Meg, is this true or false? Is the tallest black walnut tree in the U.S. over 100 feet tall? Hmm, I think I have some follow-up questions for you on this one, Molly. Go for it. How tall is 100 feet? I know that most adults are around 5 feet tall, but it's hard to imagine something 100 feet tall. That's a fair question. A 10-story building, or a building with 10 floors, is usually about 100 feet tall. Three school buses stacked on top of each other end-to-end would also be about 100 feet tall. What? A tree that's the size of three school buses? Or a 10-story building? I can't picture it. I think trees can be very tall, Molly, but that feels too high. I say false. The answer to this one is true as well, Meg. The tallest black walnut tree in the U.S. is in Oregon. Its trunk is 8 feet 7 inches around, and it's 112 feet, 34 meters, tall. 112 feet tall? No kidding! Its branches spread out 144 feet wide, too. Basically, it's a big tree. Sounds huge! Well, nice work on Tricky Trivia today, Meg. Thank you! That was a fun one. Hey, I wonder how Mitzi's doing. Ugh, terrible! Oh, hey, Mitzi. Uh, What's the matter? Well, I watched Happy Sunshine Gummy Bear Stories. Cutest show in the entire world. But it did not scrub my brain of all the spooky stories from the scary movie last night. It didn't? Nope. It's even worse. They both sort of just combined in my head. And now I keep picturing these bouncing, smiling, evil gummy bears out to get me. Yikes. They're giggles. Ugh. It's like I can hear them now. (laughs) Wait, I can hear that too, Mitzi. You can? Ah, It's the happy sunshine gummy bears. They're coming for me. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) Sorry, Maggie, I was just startled by Chad. Nothing scary is happening. Don't be sorry, Mitzi. You actually handled that perfectly. Thank you. Hey, Maggie, Chad here. Mitzi, what's going on? You tell me! What's so funny? Someone left the Happy Sunshine Gummy Bears on in the break room. Love that show. Oh, yeah. You seem down. Yeah, I saw a scary movie last night, and now everything is scary. Ooh, the Sour Gummy Worms Revenge? Oh, you saw it too? Of course I did. Doesn't really compare to the sequel, though. You want to watch something really scary, watch the Sour Gummy Worms Revenge again. Uh, I'm going to pass, thank you. Enough of this scary movie talk, actually. Say, if you're here, Chad, then it must be time for Ask a Grown-Up. That's right. Maybe it'll help to just distract you, Mitzi. Why don't you focus on this next segment instead of the scary spooky gummy worms? Worth a try? Since it's Walnut Week, I'm talking to Michael Trinkline from Stonecroft Farms all about black walnuts. Looking forward to that one, Chad. But first, it's time for a quick word from our sponsors. Grown-ups, these ads are for you. Hey, grown-ups. I wanted to tell you about one of our cookbooks, Gabby's Latin American Kitchen. Has your young chef ever tried empanadas? Made cheesy arepas for your family? 
or shared homemade sprinkle-covered chocolate brigaderos with their friends, you can travel through Latin America together with your child through 70 recipes developed and written by Gabby Melian. All kid-tested and kid-approved by America's Test Kitchen Kids panel of over 15,000 at-home kid recipe testers. Plus, the Spanish-language glossary, fun personal stories, and peek into Gabby's own kitchen give this book important cultural context and make your learning experience extend far past the meal. It's a delicious win for all young chefs and their families. You can find Gabby's Latin American Kitchen everywhere that books are sold. Hey, grown-ups! Open a world of new taste with Kitchen Adventures, a monthly subscription of globally inspired recipes and activities for your young chef. Every month, try three to six kid-tested, kid-approved recipes from America's Test Kitchen Kids. And celebrate world foods with hands-on activities from award-winning children's brand Little Passports. Twist up the delicious flavors of Rome, Italy. Sample the mouth-watering delights of El Paso, Texas. Tour the tastes of Punjab, India, and more. Play, cook, and connect with Kitchen Adventures. Order yours today at littlepassports.com. And we're back. All right. And it's time for Ask a Grown-Up. Take it away, Chad. Thanks, Molly. So, since it's Walnut Week, I wanted to talk to someone about the difference between black walnuts and English or Persian walnuts. So I found an expert. Yeah, my name is Mike Trinkline, and I run an experimental farm in Port Washington, Wisconsin. It's called Stonecroft Farms, and our motto is, if it's weird, we want to grow it. And they grow lots of things, some of which I had heard of before, and some I had not. We grow strange things. So we grow aronia, for example, which is a very purple berry, very healthy. Uh, If you pick it, though, it's so strong in its purpleness that it will turn your hands blue, so you'll look like a Smurf or something. And we grow lots of different kinds of nuts. We grow chestnuts, we grow hazelnuts, we grow pecans, and we grow, oh, four or five different kinds of walnuts. Including black walnuts. Yes, we do. We have uh, hundreds and hundreds of black walnut trees on the property, yes. I asked Mike what makes black walnuts different from English or Persian walnuts. Well, the walnut you get in a store is called an English walnut. Sometimes you can get them in the shell, and if you crack them with a nutcracker, the shell comes right off. And that's why they're in the store, because they're easy to crack. Black walnuts are very different. Black walnuts, the nut is locked in a tight shell. It's like nature's most difficult to get food because it's really locked in that shell. So it's really a hard shell. Here's how I pick black walnuts. First, I pick them up off the ground and then I drive over them with my car a few times and then I slam them with a hammer a few times and eventually you get the bits of the nut. I couldn't quite tell if Mike was joking about that or not. But in short, black walnuts are a lot tougher to get out of their shell. But it's worth it because they're very delicious and they're super healthy. And um, they are a crop that people should be eating more of because um, they grow all over the United States and backyards everywhere. The other thing that's interesting about black walnuts is it's actually used to clean the Statue of Liberty. So they take the shells and they put them in this giant thing that's like a super soaker almost like, and they shoot 
the water with the shells at the Statue of Liberty, and it effectively cleans it because the shells are so incredibly hard. Not too hard to scratch it, but hard enough to clean it in that perfect little zone. And so the shells are hard, but the nuts, they are not hard. They are soft and delicious. Mike said that the taste of black walnuts is also pretty unique. A lot of people find that when they first taste one, they're like, oh, this is kind of different. I'm not sure I like this. But then after they eat it for a while, they're like, huh, this is really good. And they really like it. And there are a lot of people who just love black walnuts. Black walnut is good in cakes. It's good in cookies. They're good in all kinds of baked goods like that. And they're good in yogurt. And um, I put them on any place you'd use any other nut. Yeah, they're delicious. And like we mentioned, black walnut trees don't just grow on farms. Black walnut trees grow out in nature all over the United States. Yeah, I mean, there is uh, all kinds of food all around us that we don't even realize is there because the food that's in the store is usually food that's super easy to pick and super easy for machines to farm. But that's only a small part of the delicious food that's out there. There's all kinds of food that's growing in our nearby parks or in our neighborhoods along the streets uh, that's actually very delicious and very nutritious. And if you if you can identify those delicious foods and pick them, that's called foraging. Foraging is when you walk around and find edible plants growing naturally. Before there were farms and before there were orchards, all kinds of foods were just out growing in nature. And those are the types of things you can forage for. It's different depending on where you are, but everyone has native plants that grow near them. But I'll say this really clearly right here and now, foraging can be dangerous. It's always something you should do with a grown-up, and you should never, ever eat something that you found outside unless a grown-up has looked at it and knows for sure that it is safe to eat. That being said, if you do it safely and smartly, foraging can be a lot of fun. Foraging is kind of like being a detective, but instead of trying to detect crimes, you're trying to detect food. So it's you get clues, you look at the shape of the tree, or you look at what's falling on the ground, or you look at the bark of the tree, or you examine the fruit. And it's like you're kind of like a detective trying to find out what's really a good fruit. And then once you think you see something you think really could be something delicious, you take it to someone who knows what they're doing and they can identify it for you. But it's just kind of fun to go out in nature and actually notice the plants and the trees. And sometimes you find stuff that's delicious. So do your research. Make sure you have a grown-up with you who knows what's safe to eat and what isn't. And make sure you have permission to take plants wherever you're foraging. Well, yes, you never want to go into uh, someone's yard without permission. With all of these things in mind, foraging can be a great way to learn more about the plants that grow in your area. And if you want to learn more about any of the plants Mike is growing on his experimental farm, check out stonecroftfarms.com. There's pictures and information about each plant he grows and lots of fun things to learn about. Well, be safe when you're uh, foraging, but uh, if you do it safely, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun and very rewarding. Happy foraging, listeners. Let us know if you find any black walnuts in your neighborhood. Back to you, Molly. Chad, that was great and not at all scary. I'm glad to hear it. Did it help with your spookies? Well, it did during the segment, but now that we're talking about them again, I'm feeling nervous all over again. Gah! Chad, this is not a good situation. Actually, 
I have an idea, Mitzi. I will be right back. Oh, hey, Andrea. Hi, Chad. You're in a hurry. Just chasing down a good idea. I'll be right back. Hi, friends. Andrea here. How are we doing? Doing fantastic, Andrea. Andrea is an associate editor at America's Test Kitchen Kids. That means she works on developing recipes and experiments for our cookbooks and website. And you can find out more about all that fun stuff by going to atkkids.com. We want you to practice your cooking techniques while you're our intern. So every week, I'm going to teach you something new to up your arsenal of kitchen skills. Muy bien. So what are we going to be learning about today? Today, I'm going to teach you how to use a food processor. Oh, I already know how to do that. You do? Sure. I use my food processor at home all the time to make smoothies and dips and chop vegetables very finely. It's super convenient. Oh, wow. Well, maybe instead of me teaching you, you can teach our listeners at home how to use a food processor safely. I'd love to do that. Listeners, let's get into it. Except not literally. We don't want to get into a food processor. Definitely not. Okay, well, I have a food processor here that I brought for us to practice on. So, Maggie, can you tell our listeners about how to set a food processor up correctly? Happy to. Listeners, first things first. A food processor has got four main parts. The base, which holds the motor, that's the part with the plug and the buttons on it. The bowl, which is where you put your ingredients. The blade, which is the part that spins and does the actual chopping, mincing, and grinding. And the lid, which goes on top of the bowl to keep ingredients inside and not flying out all over the kitchen. A very important feature. Oh, yes. And it's not just for keeping your kitchen clean. It's also for safety. The lid on a food processor locks into place. You can hear it click. See? Food processors often won't even turn on until the lid is properly locked. Listeners, always remember to ask an adult for help when you're using an appliance like a food processor. The food processor has a sharp blade for chopping, so be sure to ask a grown-up to handle that part for you. Safety is very important. Now that we're safe, we can get to processing. Don't forget pulsing. Oh, of course. Hey, why don't they call it a food pulser? We could combine both words. A food pulsesser? I like it. So, there are two basic ways to use a food pulsesser. You can pulse ingredients or process ingredients. When recipes say to pulse, that means to turn on the processor for one second and then turn it off in quick bursts. There is usually a pulse button on the processor just for this job. On my food processor at home, I have a red dot on the pulse button that I can feel so that I know which button is which. What a great idea, just like the raised dot we put on the microwave keypad here in the test kitchen. Should we add one to the pulse button of this food processor, Maggie? That would be great, Andrea. I'll go get it. The pulse function is typically used for chopping and mincing ingredients. Pulsing helps chop or mince ingredients more evenly because the food moves around the bowl with every pulse. If a recipe includes a range of pulses, start with the low end of the range. You can always give the ingredients more pulses to chop them more finely, but you can't go back. That's exactly right, Maggie. Good advice. I got a red sticker from the supply closet. 
Here, let me just put it on the pulse button. Does that work for you? Yep, that's great and super helpful. Thanks, Andrea. My pleasure. So now that we've learned all about pulsing, what about processing? I'm so glad you asked. When a recipe says to process, that means to turn on the processor and let it run for a specified time, whatever the recipe recommends. This is best for mixing and pureeing ingredients, such as when making pizza or hummus. When you process ingredients, you'll break them down further and faster than pulsing. Maggie, I am so impressed with your food processing knowledge. One more thing before I go. Now that we have the processor set up, let's test out what we've learned on these walnuts. First, can you give these walnuts a few pulses? I sure can. They're chopped up into small pieces now, like chopped nuts you would put in a cookie batter or on top of a brownie. Perfect. Now, why don't you go ahead and process them? No problem. Oh, now it sounds very different, less rattly and more smooth. Listeners, remember to pay attention to whether your recipe says to pulse or to process. The results can be very different. Thanks for teaching me all about food processors, Andrea. Oh, I barely did anything this week, Meg. You were the teacher and you did a great job. I'll see you next week. Okay, Mitzi, I'm back. Chad here, by the way, with a surprise. Oh, man. I'm not sure I'm in a great place for surprises right now, Chad. Well, let me talk you through it first. Have you ever heard of the phrase, face your fears? Sure I have. It's when you confront or come face to face with the thing you're afraid of so that you might become less afraid of it. Oh, I don't like where this is going. Hear me out. Have you ever heard of the phrase, continue to avoid and run away from your fears at any cost for the rest of your life? Equally valid argument to be made, I think. (laughs) I haven't heard that one before. Mitzi, listen. The Sour Gummy Worms Revenge is admittedly a very scary movie, but it is also fake. Sour gummy worms are just candy, and they are not scary. So, I brought a bag with me to say hello. Do you think that would be okay with you? I don't know. Are they scary? We aren't scary. Do they want revenge? Not from you. Not from anyone. Steve, now's not the time for jokes. Okay. Okay. I will face them. Okay, I am going to slowly take these out from behind my back. And... Hi! Hi! Wow, it's me! Hi! Hello! Oh, hello! Okay, wow, you folks are actually very, very cute! (laughs) Aw, well, that's sweet of you to say. Hey, yeah, listen, it's not just you. That movie really freaked a lot of people out. But we're totally normal, sour gummy worms. Always have been this chill and happy, not at all out for revenge. Yet. Steve, seriously, knock that off. It is not the time or place. Sorry, don't mind him. So, Mitzi, how are you feeling? Well, actually, I feel much, much better. I mean, I know scary movies are fake, but meeting the thing I was so afraid of and hearing their super cute, teeny tiny voices, oh, I guess I really don't have anything to be afraid of. 
That's right, Mitzi. Yeah, Andrea! Meg, all is well. I just forgot Andrea was still here. Yep, never left. Okay, maybe I'm still a little on edge, but I think I'm mostly better. Thank you for helping me face my fears, Chad. Anytime, Mitzi. Anytime. Bye, Mitzi. See you later. See you soon. Steve! Well, Mitzi, I'm glad you're feeling better because we are about out of time for today. But we'll be back with another nutty episode next time. We'll be talking about toast in our pressing question segment, followed by something funny in our wild card. And remember, at the end of the season, we'll be using all of our ingredients in a very special mystery recipe to cook together. Can you guess what it is yet? If you love Mystery Recipe, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And feel free to leave us a review. We love reading them. Until then, keep Keep on on cooking. cooking! Mystery Recipe is hosted by me, Mitzi, and I am a starfruit, and Molly Birnbaum, who is a honey crisp apple. Chad Chennai is our writer and producer. He is a kumquat. Andrea Vavjan is a kanepa, and Katie O'Hara is a lemon, and they are both contributing writers on our show. Audio services are provided by Ultraviolet Audio, with sound design supervision by Matt Boynton. He's a nectarine. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Chester Guazda, a banana, and additional engineering by Eric Gorman, a raspberry. Jonathan Roberts composed our theme music, and Jonathan is a mangosteen. Our director of post-production is Hen Margolis. She is a pomegranate. Our director of production is Diane Knox, who is also a dragon fruit. Fact-checking by Julia Arwin, a watermelon. Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher, and she's a blueberry. Jack Bishop is the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. He's a mango. David Nussbaum is our CEO, and he's also a raspberry. Special thanks to our senior science editor, Paul Adams, executive editor, Kristen Sargianis, executive food editor, Susanna McFerrin, art director, Gabby Hominoff, deputy food editor, Afton Cyrus, associate editors, Andrea Vavjan, Katie O'Hara, and Tess Berger, editorial assistant, Julia Arwin, photo test cook, Ashley Stoyanov, test cook, Faye Yang, and managing producer, Yumi Araki. This episode featured the voices of Kira O'Sullivan and Nefertiti Matos Olivares. Thanks again to our sponsor, Driscoll's. Mystery Recipe is a production of America's Test Kitchen Kids. It's a happy sunshine gummy bear day. Smile in a happy sunshine gummy bear way. It really is the happiest show of all time. I can't stop smiling. In the happy sunshine gummy bear way. Don't have a care in the world because I'm a gummy bear girl. It's a happy sunshine gummy bear day. Hi, grown-ups. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our newsletter. If you love the fun food content we share on Mystery Recipe, then sign up today for our ATK Kids newsletter to receive even more recipes, activities, and stories from me straight to your inbox. 
As a mom of two, I always try to include things that are important to my family, and it's a great way to hear about all the new things we are cooking up at ATK. Plus, every new email added will be entered for a chance to win three free ATK Kids books for toddlers through teens. We'll draw 10 winners every month while the promotion lasts, and we have some great books available all the time. Head to atkkids.com newsletter to sign up today for your chance to win. 